As you can see, we are into our brand new sermon series, Ten Commandments. So before we、uh, get into our scripture, let me give you the context of the Ten Commandments. Around 3,500 years ago, God took Israelites out of Egypt and rescued them from slavery. So Moses had to lead 2.4 million people. The whole population of Auckland is only 1.7 million people. Okay, so Moses had to lead 2.4 million people to, into a promised land and build a new nation from scratch. The Israelites they had been through more than 400 years of slavery, which means they never governed or even been part of a society where they were treated as free people. So the top priority for God is to give those people law and order; otherwise, it will end up chaos. The Ten Commandments became the foundation of Jewish law and moral code. So today we are going to count down the Ten Commandments. We start from number ten: "You shall not covet." You probably wonder, hey, is it the Ten Commandments still relevant today? As we go through all the commandments in this series, you will find out these commandments cover God's heart for all people, all cultures, and all ages. You shall not covet. It's the commandment number ten. Covet, according to Oxford English Dictionary, it means to want to have something very much, especially something that belongs to someone else. Covet or covetousness. For Christians, to covet is to go after something that is not in the will of God. In Exodus twenty verse seventeen, God says. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. In other words, God through Moses is saying that the Israelites should not desire the possessions of another person. They should be content with what God has given to them. Therefore. The opposite of covetousness is contentment. Today's sermon title is "From Covetousness to Contentment." I learned how to ride a bicycle at the age of ten. My first bicycle was a used one from my mom. I didn't like it very much. I had to ride it to school every day, so I always say to myself, "If I can have a new bicycle, I will be content with my life." Finally, when I turned 15 years old, that was in the early 90s, my parents bought me a brand new bicycle. Let me show you a photo. That's not exactly the one I had, but same style. That's the typical bicycle everyone was riding in China in those days. Good quality, 
low maintenance and affordable. I love it. I live in a small town. It only took me 10 minutes every day from my home to school on the bicycle. Since I had that one, that 10 minutes ride became the highlight of my day. I love it. But that feeling didn't last very long. Because in the early 90s, as the economy was growing in China, more products became available in the market. Some of the students in my school started riding different types of bicycle. Let me show you the next photo. A mountain bike. Wow, that's so cool. I want that. One of my friends got one. I love this friend because he always tells me what I need before I need it. <laughs> so one day he said to me, hey, Shane, <laughs> you need a bike like this because you can go anywhere you want on this one. Wow. When a friend has a bike like that, I must get one. So I say to myself, if I can have a mountain bike, I will be content with my life. But the problem is, I already have a brand new bike, and that's still in good condition. How to convince my parents that I need such an expensive mountain bike? I guess I need to find a mountain on the way to school. I wish I was a Christian then so that I can move a mountain by faith. One day someone gave my dad some vouchers from a department store. And on that department store, the mountain bikes were on sale. So my parents agreed to buy me a mountain bike. Finally, I got my dream bike. Just when I started enjoying my dream bike, I saw my friend riding a different bike to school, and he was fast. What he was riding. Let me show you the next photo. A road bike. Oh. And he said to me, Shane, you need a bike like this. It is designed by engineers. It can go 60 kilometers per hour in full speed. Wow, that's crazy. I'm so excited. But I forgot one thing. It doesn't matter how fast this one can go, I still need to pedal it with my legs. So my legs will tell me how fast it can run, not the engineers. But anyway, when my friend has a bike like that, I must get one. So I say to myself, you already know what I'm going to say, right? <laughs> if, if I can have a bike like that, if I can have a road bike, I will be content with my life. Hey, I really need a road bike because my friend is so fast now. I need to catch up to him. I will do everything I can to catch up to him. Let me ask you, 
Are you living your life driven by a desire to catch up to somebody else? Or are you driven by a desire to pursue what God has for you? To catch up to somebody else leads to endless covetousness. To pursue what God has for you leads to ultimate contentment. As we are trying to catch up to those who are always ahead of us, who always have what we want, we keep feeding ourselves this lie. If I can have that thing, I will be content with my life. Let me clarify it first. We all have an innate desire within us for more and better. There's nothing wrong with this desire itself. Our dreams and goals is a manifestation of this. Without this desire, there will be no motive to achieve, to succeed, or to pursue. But when our desire persists us to a point that we are filled with envy and resentment, the desire becomes covetousness. Please listen to me. Here is why covetousness is so dangerous. When we covet something, we create an idol in our heart. We create an idol in our heart. And we are so obsessed with obtaining something even, even if that means getting out of the will of God. So eventually, we will be distracted from what God has for us to what we want from others. And we will miss the goal God wants us to reach. I believe to overcome covetousness, it's not to keep telling ourselves it's so bad or keep condemning ourselves with our desires. I believe to overcome covetousness is to find true contentment in life. The Apostle Paul says, Philippians 4 verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I don't think Paul is saying, hey, if you are poor, stay poor and be happy with it. If you have to compromise your values, compromise and be happy with it. That doesn't help. That doesn't solve any problems. What Paul is saying that containment can be learned. It's knowledge. It's awareness. It's the ability to see the same circumstance in a different way. What I learned from Paul's teaching is that containment is not found in circumstance, but found in how we interpret circumstances. So we need to change the way we see things. In Romans 12, 
verse 2, Paul says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to taste and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to find long-lasting contentment and discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will in your life, the most important thing for us is to renew our mind. Don't, don't follow other people's thinking patterns. Don't follow their life patterns. Renew our mind. So my first thought for you today is, we must start counting our blessings. Start counting your blessings. Ingratitude is the perfect soil for covetousness to grow. I cannot stop people from spreading the seed of covetousness. I cannot stop my friend from stop, uh, from, uh, stop from riding his bikes. But I can stop the seed from rooting in my heart by changing the soil condition. Unfortunately, too often, we only look at what we don't have rather than thanking God for what we do have. I will never forget the moment I was walking out of the Auckland airport and breathing pure, fresh New Zealand air for the first time in my life 20 years ago. Wow, that is different. If you grew up here, you will never understand how that felt at that moment. I wish I could put the air in a bottle and send it back to China to my friend. Now I got something you don't have. <laughs> a few years ago, a New Zealand company decided to sell bottles of pure, fresh New Zealand air. Let me show you a photo. You see that? That's a real product. You, can, you, you, you could find it in the duty-free shop in Auckland Airport. Hey, $50 for one bottle. $50. And each bottle contains enough air for 100 deep breaths. Now I'm not counting my blessings. I'm counting my breaths. <laughs> From every breath I take, I feel like I'm making money. Oh, another 50 cents in my lungs. <laughs> in 2018, a, a, a New Zealand businessman started exporting this product to China. I have heard that someone in China were looking for this product during the pandemic because they believe New Zealand air can cleanse their lungs from COVID. But they don't know. Meanwhile, everyone in New Zealand is wearing a mask made in China <laughs> to filter New Zealand air. <laughs> so somebody needs to tell them, before you put that bottle on your mouth, remember to wear a mask. <laughs> there are so many things we take for granted in New Zealand are privileges for most of the people in the world. 
the environment, the resource, the freedom, the church, the people, the social security. I can go on and on and on. But in today's society, there are just too many complaints. Too many complaints about everything. But we don't follow their patterns. We don't follow their patterns because we are the people who speak blessings. We are the people who count our blessings. And we are the people who deliver blessings to this world. So my second thought for you today is we must stop comparing ourselves to others. Stop comparing yourself to others. 3,500 years ago, Moses told the Israelites, don't compare yourself to your neighbor. I have no problem with my neighbor. But in today's social media age, the social media has lifted the game of comparison to the highest level in human history. I am not comparing myself to my neighbor. I'm comparing myself to someone in New York, in London, in Hong Kong. I'm comparing myself to someone I don't even know who they are. So friends, don't compare ourselves to others. You must have heard this popular quote, comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. So God never wants us to compare ourselves to others. You don't need to do that because God never wants you to become a cheap copy of somebody else. Your gifts, your talents, your strength, your uniqueness are so precious in God's eyes. And what God has prepared to give you is all based on your uniqueness. Don't lose your uniqueness. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. You are so precious in the eyes of God. Our worship team, please come up. In Jordan Peterson's book, 12 rules for life, he says, compare yourself to who your world is today, not to who someone else is today. This idea is, is to start using ourselves yesterday as a baseline so that you can notice the progress towards your goal every day you can make. So go ahead, make a, say the goal for yourself. Remember to say the goal based on your talents, your gifts, your strength, because those things are the blessings God has given to you. Count your blessings first. Don't set your goal based on somebody else's success or achievements. Otherwise, you will end up coveting what they have. After setting your goal, make a list of the achievements you can make every day. It doesn't matter what they are. It doesn't matter they are big or small. 
as long as there's something that can push you one step closer to your goal, they will lead you to long-lasting growth and contentment. So friends, let's focus on what we have, not what they have. Start counting your blessings. Stop comparing yourself to others because God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. And God has chosen you on this journey to pursue and gain what He has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will help us fix our eyes on you only, Lord, and give us the discernment when we desire wrong things in our heart. Lord, and guide us in the right direction towards you, towards your purpose, towards your goal in our life. Lord, and also stir up the faith in us so that we know you have made provision of everything we need in life, and only in you, Lord, we will find true contentment. We pray in the name of Jesus.